Hey, this is Mohal Joshi from Los Angeles, California. I follow Indian foreign policy and defense with a special focus on Asia. You can follow me on Twitter at Mohal Joshi. Hey, this is Kishore Narayan from Bengaluru in India. I am an international relations expert specializing in global security, conflict resolution, and international negotiation. My focus areas include peace building and digital diplomacy. You can find me on Twitter at Veggie Diplomat. Hello and welcome to episode 34 of India Rising Strategic Affairs Conversations with Mohal and Kishore, a show in which we analyze the happenings from around the world and their impact on India. Before we begin with today's episode, we just hope that you and your loved ones are safe at home and are healthy during these troubled times. Remember to stay home and stay safe. A year ago, during the summer of 2020, when the world in general and India specifically was reeling under the full brunt of the COVID-19 pandemic, the soldiers of the People's Liberation Army came up to the line of actual control to occupy strategic areas across the perceived LAC, just as the snow was melting during the initial summer months. Indian government over the decades had actually bragged that the line of actual control was silent ever since the 1960s. But what transpired was a medieval one-upmanship between the soldiers of the PLA and the Indian Army at multiple places along the LAC. We had covered this in great detail in our episodes 26, 27, and 28. Sadly, 20 of our brave soldiers lost their lives while attempting to stop the PLA soldiers from entering the Galwan River Valley. What followed was a massive buildup of soldiers from both sides across multiple spots along the entire LAC, leading to a very volatile situation. Round after round of talks at core commander level have been carried out, but we have very little to show in terms of bringing the temperature down in the icy cold heights. It's been a year now, and instead of the situation easing off, we have heard of soldiers from both sides digging their heels. The fact that the issue is not grabbing the headlines does not mean that the issue has gone away. Now, let's look at how the situation looks like on the ground right now. There have been 11 rounds of core commanders meetings followed by, an, followed by an agreement in February, which again we had covered in episode 32, uh, in which both sides uh, uh, disengaged and de-escalated at one of the friction points on the, on the northern and southern banks of the Pangong So, also called the finger areas to the north of Pangong So, and on the heights of the Kailash Range near the Spangor Gap. Even after more than a year of the standoff, which included 11 rounds of core commander level meetings, seven work mechanism for consultation and coordination, also called WMCC meetings, and at least two known interactions between India's external affairs minister, Dr. S. Jaishankar, and China's foreign minister, Wang Yi, the standoff remains in other areas along the LAC in Debsang, Gogra and Hot Springs. EAM S. Jaishankar has said on record, and I quote him, 
India is yet to receive credible explanation for a change in India's uh, for a change in China's stance towards India and massing of troops in border areas and its willingness to breach peace. He also continued, and I quote: "Chinese have to date given us five different explanations." Unquote behind their policy change and noted that China is still trying is still trying to figure out not only its motivations but also what the Chinese uh, I quote him posture signals its evolution and its possible implications for the future of ties. Unquote. Uh, moving on to what uh, the Chief of Defense Staff uh, General Bipin Rawat said, Chinese deployments. I quote him, Chinese deployments on the border with India have undergone a change, especially after incidents that happened in Galwan and other areas last year. Thereafter, they realized that they need to be further better trained and better prepared. Their soldiers mainly come from the civilian street. They are enlisted for a short duration. They don't have much experience of fighting in these kinds of areas and operating in this kind of terrain, unquote. Basically, uh, General Bipin Rawat was referring to Mimong Cheton, a unit entirely consisting of local Tibetan youth who were trained by the PLA and deployed at various locations in Chumbi Valley, which is situated across the Sikkim border with China. Indian Foreign Secretary Harshwardhan Sringla said, I quote him, we are very clear that until these issues, the uh, existing friction points are addressed and our border areas are peaceful and tranquil, we will not be able to go into what is known as a normal relationship as we go forward. I think the entire basis of that relationship has been predicated on having peace and tranquility on our borders. And he also added, uh, that the onus is on China to ensure that the issues that remain are addressed, unquote. So as you see that a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, extreme positions have been taken. And um, as, as a add-on to that, uh, both the uh, PLA and the Indian Army have strengthened their positions along the LAC. So Mohal, do you want to elaborate on how uh, both of them have strengthened their positions? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's been a lot of uh, reorganization and movement even within the Indian Army. So, for example, the Mathura Base 1 Corps, mm -hmm. which was the strike base corps uh, oriented to face Pakistan, will now be an offensive formation for Eastern Ladakh to support the existing uh, lay-based uh, 14 Corps. The Dehradun-based uh, 14 Division will now be in charge of the central sector in Uttarakhand, I mean, which was just manned by, I believe, like a couple of brigades earlier. The Palampur Base 39 Division, uh, currently in Eastern Ladakh, I mean, post the events of summer 2020, which was like pushed in to beef up the strength in that area, will go back to being a reserve force under a Northern Army Command once the uh, standoff is over, whenever it be in the future. Uh, the well-known 17 Mountain Strike Corps, which was raised to face the Chinese all along the LSE, is now being exclusively dedicated to the Eastern Command that is in the Northeast. Um, 
India also, as per reports, has deployed the M triple seven ultralight howitzer that we bought from the United States, mm-hmm. the Apache uh, multi-role attack helicopters, the heavy lift C seventeen C one thirty J transport aircraft, Chinook heavy lift helicopters, and the, the recently inducted uh, and the well-known Rafale uh, fighter aircraft into Ladakh to strengthen India's capabilities in this region. You know. uh interestingly like a few days ago bloomberg had also reported that india had deployed an additional 50000 troops into the along the lse which mm-hmm. is almost like a 40% increase versus the past deployments which and, and this brings the total number of troops uh, along the lse to almost 200000 troops you know which is quite a massive build up uh yeah yeah i mean when you consider that the indian army is like uh, i believe like around like 12 lakh troops so i mean if you like into the 2 lakh it's like almost one in every six soldier is in the lsc right mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. in in theory you know mm. um so coming to the pla side i mean they have upgraded their uh, hotan airbase in xinjiang and then niginji airbase in tibet uh, both the bases are just across the lsc in ladakh and arunachal pradesh uh, respectively Uh, with the PLA deploying also supposedly the S-400 uh, air defense squadrons to protect them from the Indian aerial threat. Uh, recently, like we saw pictures where the Chinese were building uh, HAS or hardened aircraft shelter that is reinforced hangars to protect their military aircraft from an any at- enemy attack in Tibet. Mm-hmm. Uh, China also, as per uh, some satellite imagery, has deployed its uh, lightweight uh, Type 15 T-99. T96 tanks the PCL181 uh, vehicle mounted howitzers uh, ZBL09 infantry fighting vehicles in the Aksai Chin area to back up their forces and the PLAF which is the PLA air force has moved various surface to air missile systems and the J10 the J11 and the J20 fighter aircraft uh, along with Z9 and Z20 helicopters uh, in the tibetan area you know mm-hmm. okay okay so again uh, quite a build up uh, by the pla as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay so uh, again uh, curious to know what is the stand of the chinese about the entire uh, election skirmish yeah so i mean if you look at the overall uh, strategic picture like many in china see india is uh, i mean a challenger to its supremacy in asia i mean no other country comes close to challenging china in the at least the asian continent right so the belief in uh, chinese strategic circles is that india is acting on the behest of uh, like quote like hegemonic powers like the us you know so interestingly mm-hmm. like ashok kanta the former ambassador to china uh, mentioned on uh, Uh, podcast that in the track to meets with chinese scholars what they say is that india is making uh, a misjudgment by aligning with the us uh, united states of america mm-hmm. um emant adlaka an associate professor of uh, at the Ch- uh, center for chinese and south asian uh, studies at the school of language and literature studies at jnu uh says that the, he finds a theme in the writings by chinese scholars where the theme is that where is india getting this audacity to stand up to china you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that's something like the, the chinese scholars are also befuddled that how come india is suddenly acting up like uh, as if it's like a very strong nation you know 
further there is also mention of how the gradual deepening of ties between india and china uh, uh, <clears throat> which is also causing like uh, some heartburn in the chinese mm-hmm. strategic circles you know mm-hmm. so uh, yeah i mean in, in in india i mean if you, if you know like we are always inundated with hours and hours upon on air time on the television and meters upon meters of newspaper columns and op-eds some of which frankly are like sound very pessimistic but i mean and, and as you know every confrontation with china brings about bewilderment and lot of head scratching on how to deal with the dragon i think something which is uh, underappreciated is that um, I mean, similarly in China, I mean, in spite of being of a superior power, I mean, in multiple realms, which are vis-a-vis India, they're also dealing with a unique challenge from India. Now, China, if you know, like has gotten away, gotten its way by intimidation and bullying with many of its smaller nations in Asia, neighbors in Asia, uh, especially in terms of territorial disputes. Mm. Uh, one can simply look at all the territorial gains that they have made in the South China Sea over the past few years without much of a physical confrontation with the ASEAN nations. Right. Uh, when it comes to India, which it always considers inferior, I mean, they are always quick to remind India that oh, we are like five times bigger than you. Whenever the tensions are running high in terms of border disputes with India, I mean, it has. surprisingly not been able to get its way as seen in doklam in 2017 and eastern ladakh in 2020 hmm. granted they have blocked uh india from patrolling like its perception of lac in certain locations you know hmm. so i mean this is something like an underappreciated fact i think i mean the other thing is that the opaque nature of the chain of the chinese state plus the language barrier like where like everything in mandarin doesn't get to a wider audience out here in india right is in a vastly underappreciated fact by many near that even in china there is some some amount of like it's a frustration of not being able to fully push india around as per its like i mean they do uh give a lot of heartburn to in the indian strategic circles but also they are not able to fully you know wield the amount of leverage or power that they can make india do whatever they would want them to do you know mm-hmm. so interestingly like i mean antara goshal singh like a research associate at center of uh, for social and economic progress recently said and i quote her an influential section within the chinese strategic community believes that china's cooperative approach towards india in the past years has failed to deliver desired benefits particularly reduction in strategic pressure on china in the southwestern direction so that it can concentrate on facing its main strategic opponent the united states and therefore china's india policy from here on should focus on an occasional show of strength mm-hmm. or an assertion of chinese strength advantage vis-a-vis india from time to time so as to effectively check and balance a rising and a more confident india and undercut what is considered as its strategic opportunity period in, induced by the geopolitics of the indo-pacific mm-hmm. so i mean chinese scholars and strategists do agree that it's not in chinese interest to have an active military confrontation with india i mean china's main theater of focus is to the east in the east sorry the south china sea and the western pacific right um Chinese hardliners and moderates both seem to agree that there is no point of going to war to India which will permanently rupture the relationship i mean in their minds assuming it's has not already happened in some of 
uh, for some on the indian side post the events of uh, galwan you know on, in mm. last june but i mean as per the comments above from antara goshal singh like they will keep needling india from time to time while also actively trying to remain below the threshold of an active war from breaking out so they still i mean which is like uh, all the classic telltale signs of classic uh, gray zone warfare they want to uh, not provoke an active war i mean a hot war with india but also they want to keep needling india so they sort of like you know put india back in its place mm, kind mm, of uh, mm, thinking mm. you know right right so kishore uh, how this standing their ground by both is uh, seen as a threat by the other side you know hmm so uh, again yeah with this kind of a extreme position uh, taken by both the sides uh, it's interesting to see what are the kind of uh, statements made by by the people who actually matter the chinese foreign minister wang yi was actually quoted in global times as saying i quote him the root cause of tension along the indo china border is that Uh, India has been increasing the military deployment along the border area and encroaching on China's territory. China does not agree to link the boundary issue with the bilateral relations. Unquote. Now, one of the major takeaways from this statement is that there is a diametrically opposite point of view on both sides regarding the border issue and the overall uh, relationship. For example, uh, External Affairs Minister. uh subramaniam jayshankar has said and i quote him the bottom line for the relationship is clear peace and tranquility must prevail on the border if the progress made in the last three decades is not to be jeopardized cooperation between india and china he stressed has advanced steadily in the last three decades on grounds that peace and tranquility was maintained and that the lac was both observed and respected by both sides but now that there is a crisis at the lac it cannot be business as usual again i quote him one cannot have friction bloodshed and intimidation on the borders and then say let's have a good relationship in the other domains unquote jayshankar has stated while also emphasizing uh, that quote the border and the future of china india ties cannot be separated unquote um, in addition to this the chinese ambassador to india sun widong has clarified has said and i quote him clarifying the lsc could create new disputes and further hamper the process of maintaining peace and tranquility in the border areas unquote again uh, a lady you uh, uh, referred to mohal antara goshal singh uh, had uh, kind of uh, implied uh, that again i quote her here bilateral relations could be normalized and improved in uh, that were normalized and improved in 1988 uh, when india finally agreed to decouple the border issue from the rest of the relationship since then successive leaderships in both countries have tried to downplay the boundary issue for the sake of overall advancement of china india ties however the present indian government is trying to relink the border dispute with the progress in bilateral relations which not only violates the bilateral consensus to not allow differences to rise into disputes but can also create insurmountable obstacles to the long term development of bilateral ties unquote 
So while China was, yeah, I mean, just wanted to reiterate that this was a statement from uh, Lu Chunlao, uh, Chunhao, uh, mm-hmm. the deputy director of uh, an associate researcher at Chinese Institute of Com- Contemporary International Relations, and that was quoted by Antara Goshal Singh. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, thank you. Yeah. So uh, while China wanted India to sell the border dispute to work on other areas of cooperation. while downplaying the border issue india is saying that the border issue is a massive issue which is not a trivial matter and cannot be put aside in context of the overall relationship now uh, this is kind of how india pakistan relationship has uh, kind of evolved in the past 3 uh, 4 decades earlier india uh, india used to say that kashmir uh, jammu and kashmir issue can be uh kept in the back burner and other issues or other aspects of bilateral relationship can be taken forward while uh, pakistan uh, did not agree to it but later as terrorism became a bigger issue for india india said unless and until terrorism is, uh, is uh, discussed front and center every other issue cannot be uh, discussed so uh, that is how Uh, bilateral relationships have actually taken shape when it comes to india pakistan and we are seeing something similar in the indo china relationship as well now uh, as we have mentioned in our earlier podcast since the stand off began a year ago china sees no value in settling the border issue i mean that's quite obvious there is no appetite or willingness even among the chinese scholars for clarification of the lac and they don't like india stressing on working towards resolving the border issue to facilitate improving of the ties with new delhi and beijing an unsettled border works to chinese advantage and chinese interest uh, as it would keep india on edge and off balance any settlement of the border issue would rob the chinese of one more card or one more ace to keep an ascendant india in check as we mentioned earlier in the podcast india reoriented one of its strike core from the western to the northern front if such an event occurred then india can now move forces back to the pakistan border where it would put more pressure on on china so called iron brother which would not again be in chinese interest so uh, yeah that's the kind of extreme positions taken by both of them Uh, Mohal, do you want to elaborate on how uh, flexing their muscles by both is seen by a is seen as a threat by the other? Yeah, I mean the other major point from the Chinese foreign minister statement in the Global Times was him saying that the root cause of tensions along the China-India border is that India has been increasing military deployment along the border area. Mm-hmm. Now. many have speculated on the actual reason for chinese incursion into the eastern ladakh area in 2020 and it would be like i mean near impossible to be 100% certain on the actual root causes given the opec nature of the chinese side i believe even the uh, our external affairs minister s j shankar mentioned that chinese have given an aston- astonishing five different reasons for <laughs> why the standoff had occurred so um but one thing uh if the statement makes it clear is that the development of border infrastructure 
uh, I mean, when they say military deployment, it, I mean, it, we are not like we didn't pump in new forces, but it was the additional deployment of border, sorry, the additional deployment of development of border infrastructure from the Indian side. Uh, if had a major contributing, if not fully, to the Chinese reaction in the summer of 2020. So now we had mentioned this in the earlier episode 27, 26 of India Rising podcast that China had. I mean, an early mover's advantage as far as the border infrastructure was, was concerned. The asymmetry in border infrastructure gave the Chinese an upper hand all these years and they were okay with it as long as India was lacking in this regard. Mm. Now, India for a very long time, even after the defeat in 1962 war, neglected to build robust infrastructure along, uh, I mean, near the LSE. So the Chinese having enjoyed a dominance in the infrastructure domain in the past, are now waking up to the fact that hey the gap with india is slowly decreasing and you know we are going to be at a, our advantage is diminishing mm. now with this rapid deployment of border infrastructure like in the past decade which has recently amped up uh, uh, in the past few years under the current uh, nd administration mm-hmm. uh, the chinese seem to be unhappy that this historical advantage is being eroded gradually i mean on a positive note the this current standoff has put the infrastructure even into even a more accelerated phase where projects are being swiftly completed with even more urgency than ever before. I mean, as per a report in the Times of India, the BRO had completed 1,200 kilometers of road formation works and 28, uh, sorry, 2,850 kilometers of surfacing works over the last one year, most of which was facing the Chinese, I mean, the LAC or the Chinese border. Hmm. Of the 61 roads with BRO that were like strategic, considered strategic roads, like 45 have been completed while connectivity has achieved on 59 of them. And seven of the last nine roads will be completed by March 2022. So that would be probably like, I guess, 10 months from now, I guess, or like, I guess, give or take like nine to 10 months. And the other two by March 2023. So like maybe... Uh, maybe 22 months, I guess. Hmm. And then the BRO has completed also, interestingly, like 74 permanent bridges and 33 Bailey bridges over the last one year. So this shows that we have like, I mean, we are like pretty much uh, near like the existing roadworks in terms of maybe by March of next year, majority of this infrastructure will be built. also, an army official was reported in India today saying that there was there is a four. I mean, I quote him: "There is a four to five year roadmap for border development, deployments, and logistics. Whatever was planned for Ladakh for this period has been achieved in one year, ensuring our trips can sustain for long." So this shows that like something which was planned over a course of four or five years has been finished. I mean, within like mm-hmm. a, uh, like one year. So this shows like the massive. Uh, speeding up of infrastructure. And I think even during the standoff, I think it was building like uh, Raksha Mantri Radnath Singh, he mentioned that there would be no slowdown uh, in the border infrastructure. I think uh, it, the standoff just gave a more fillip to, just made India more determined to finish the infrastructure as soon as possible and not wait for a longer period of time, you know. Right, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, this diminishing first more advantage uh, we had mentioned uh, in episode 27 of India Rising podcast, which says like, you know, like, hey, the Chinese are now in a quandary, right? So, I mean, they would have to make a decision that, hey, like, 
should we create the standoff right now i mean should we create a confrontation with india right now or should we do it later when their advantage would have completely eroded or eroded to a large extent so i mean china i mean as you know in spite of being of a significant power has shown from time to time some baffling insecurities and paranoia about its adversaries and neighbors so in, in a rising indian threat in terms of more border infrastructure being developed would definitely given the chinese uh, psyche create uh, i mean would make like the uh, the chinese more anxious and could prompt her to take steps to like let's say put india in her place like mm-hmm. they feel that they did in the 1962 war so these all combined with what beijing con- considers a muscular foreign policy from the incumbent nda government the prime minister modi would have just forced their hand to say like hey let's act now before it is too late and in the future it might be let's say much not impossible obviously but like much harder to uh, you know like secure the strategic areas that they deem they need to maintain their advantage in this area so it just might be that india building up the border infrastructure possibly possibly creates a thucydides trap uh, conflict between india and china i mean i'll reiterate what i said back in episode uh, 27 post galwan that the events of june 15 2020 could possibly be viewed as a kongaka la incident of the modern times i mean in if you hark back to 1959 october 21st like nine crpf personnel went on a patrol were killed in a clash with pla now this event in, uh, back then hardened india's indian opinion i mean domestic opinion against chinese uh intrusions into led uh, i mean aksai chain and led to a chain of events which eventually led to the 1962 war so mm-hmm. in, we could be looking at a unavoidable path to a bigger military clash between india and china maybe let's say like 5 to 10 i mean at least in 5 to 10 years if not earlier i mean once the border infrastructure is completed i mean the advantage could have severely eroded for the chinese so they might i mean it's not like they might be actively looking for war as we mentioned like but you never know like like pushing pushing even a piecemeal effort here and there or salami slicing whatever you want to call it here and there eventually like at some point the indian forces might react in a way where chinese might not take to it too kindly and some mm-hmm. local commander if he goes berserk and I mean, we could be just looking at a bigger. I mean, it, it might not be a full-fledged war across two fronts, but it could easily be like a 1967 Nathula incident where we could have a lot of casualties on both sides, and uh, there could be a serious military escalation between India and China because I think China does realize that their time is running out in terms of uh, losing the first mover advantage, you know. Right. So Kishore uh, we did talk a lot about the Chinese angle uh, what about the Indian angle and uh, here and in the standoff and what should India do next mm-hmm. okay so again uh, India's aim is what again uh, external affairs minister S Jay Shankar uh, has said and also uh, reiterated recently by Lieutenant General SL Narsimhan retired member of the National Security Advisory Board Uh, and also director general center for contemporary china studies uh, in an interview uh, that uh, india wanted disengagement that uh, troops on both sides move away from being so close to each other so that it reduces the tension and the chance of any 
untoward incident and also followed by de-escalation that removal of additional forces uh, that have come near or close to the election in the summer of 2020 and then eventually later followed by uh, an improvement in bilateral relationships. So this is the kind of step-by-step uh, -step progress that uh, India is advocating. Again, uh, Jay Shankar has gone on record in saying that the relationship is, I quote him, is going through a very difficult phase because, in, uh, because of uh, violation of agreements and understandings of many years. And according to him, the Chinese have deployed a very large part of the military on or close to the line of actual control without explanation. He also opined that, again, I quote him, we have been very clear with the Chinese that peace and tranquility on the border and border areas is absolutely essential to the development of our relationship. One cannot have friction, bloodshed, intimidation on the borders and then say, let's have a good relationship in other domains, unquote. Now that kind of uh, drawing of parallel by the minister explains why the Indian government went ahead uh, with banning those 59 apps, which were of uh, Chinese origin. Although some people might have felt that this was a knee-jerk reaction, it is obvious that China wants to express its displeasure about the border conflagrations by saying that things cannot be rosy in other domains. In fact, the latest salvo from the Indian government was to completely ban Huawei uh, from participating in the 5G trials conducted in India. From an Indian perspective, one sees that the old existing uh, confidence building measures, also called uh, CBMs, have clearly failed. The Chinese, while withdrawing from Pangongso, have now refused to vacate the other areas of con contention. India will have to maintain an elevated military presence on the ground to make sure that there are no more Chinese incursions all along the LAC. As we had mentioned in episode 27 of India Rising podcast, that this standoff was likely to be a protracted affair like the Sundarong Chu standoff between India and China in 1986. The elongated standoff is bound to increase the revenue expenditure eating into the overall defense budget. This will hit the capital expenditure purchases, which are urgently needed to upgrade the rapidly aging hardware of the Indian armed forces. China, again, would be content to have its forces, if need be, at the border for an extended period of time. But a longer deployment from an Indian perspective would eat into its defense budget more compared to that of China. With the pandemic having hit economic growth, coming up with a larger percentage of resources for the armed forces in the upcoming years will end up becoming a massive challenge given the diminished revenues collected by the government. Now, can India come up with a new modus vivendi with the Chinese, which involves a fresh set of CBMs, is the million dollar question. India, like China, has no incentive in more confrontation at the border. India's long-term aim of, of growing its economy at a minimum of 7 to 8% and increasing the prosperity of its citizens 
continue continue to remain the top priority the challenge is how does india maintain the status quo at the border without losing more ground preferably without an active military confrontation now this is similar to the chinese playbook first proposed by deng xiaoping wherein he said buy their time hide their strength also called the 24 carat strategy um, india um, also has to be fully prepared for a longer and a larger military conflict along the lac in the next few years uh, there cannot be a repeat of the 1962 situation where india is caught unprepared for a larger military confrontation with china uh, mohan you have anything to add yeah i think uh, the next few years is going to be definitely interesting as we mm-hmm. complete more and more border infrastructure right so i think with increasing frequency of patrols more troops stationed at the border um the likelihood is of more confrontations uh, if not less so i Agree. mean yeah every every the... spring every spring and summer we might have some kind of a surprise uh spring yeah. up by the chinese yeah, i mean think april to november would be the time when we'll have to be on guard right. for uh, any such uh, events i mean uh, i mean december to Ma- i guess march and we could possibly not see much action because of the the winter months mm-hmm. but uh, i mean we'll have to work on to i think india still has to a lot of a uh, work to do if they can somehow convince the chinese to go back from the current standoff and cool down tensions okay. then there could be a path forward for like resumption of bilateral i think while the chinese want to delink the border issue i mean india has taken a firm stand that unless uh, the border cannot be seen as a separate issue you cannot have like tension at the border while we go about like mm-hmm. uh, talking about the other realms so we will have to see how the relationship pans out i mean i am not too optimistic to be uh, on the relationship i still think we will end up with some kind of military con- uh, uh, skirmish yeah. in the next 5 to 10 years i mean my if i had to take a bet maybe 5 years but uh, hopefully mm-hmm. it doesn't come to that and cooler heads prevail especially in beijing because i mean if their stated goal is in the western pacific and taiwan and uh, reunification with taiwan and uh control south china sea i think it makes no sense for them to irk india so much that uh, they yeah. they actively because if they have to divert resources from the eastern front to the western front i mean it doesn't uh, help them at all you know to mm. achieve their primary aim. i mean their main focus is on the united states so mm. this is also that's why i mean the the whole goal like if india can cool down relationships to with the uh, uh the chinese to such a extent that we can sort of grow on our own without provoking the chinese maintain the status quo till the us and china figure out some solution we can sort of stay under the radar pine kind of and right. grow our strengths then it will be into our because we don't want to be in the active military confrontation with the chinese it helps us uh, not at all you know mm-hmm. yeah but i mean uh, it will be hard for the chinese to not sort of provoke india because they also see that they don't want an ascendant india uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah in asia it doesn't bode 
well for them you know mm-hmm. yeah okay so uh, yeah before we wind up uh, the episode uh, let's switch our focus to recommendations mohal uh, yeah so i'll anything? recommend this piece by uh, antara goshal singh that i think we quoted a few times in this podcast mm-hmm. uh, so she wrote a fantastic article in the south asian voices dot uh, org platform mm-hmm. on what's uh, the the stalemate that we are in ladakh and what's beyond it you know mm-hmm. okay yeah that that her fantastic uh, piece written by her uh, from my end i would want to share uh, another article that came out in uh, an, a portal called uh, nine-line.com uh, written by yash dehai and the title reads the galwan valley one year on what changed with china and the pla again the kind of explain the uh, digging of the hill by uh, uh, soldier on both sides and also uh, what it means to have a continued uh, presence along the along the lac so that is my recommendation for this week um okay so to continue hearing about such topics do subscribe to our channel india rising wherever you are listening to us If you are listening to us on YouTube, please do press the bell icon to get notifications about new episodes. If you have not left us a review yet, we urge you to do so as it helps other listeners like you in finding us. We would also like to hear from you if you have any suggestions on any other topics that you would like us to cover. Do remember that these topics should be directly related to Indian foreign policy. Until the next time, this is Mohal and Kishore. signing off.